0: We are finishing Ezekiel, chapter 48. I'll read the uh, the whole chapter, and then Paul will come and preach the passage. So, Ezekiel, chapter 48. These are the names of the tribes. Beginning at the northern extreme, beside the way of Hathlon to Lovahamah, as far as Hazaranon, which is on the northern border of Damascus over against Hamath. And extending from one east side to the west, Dan, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Dan from the east side to the west, Asher, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Asher from the east side to the west, Naphtali, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Naphtali from the east side to the west, Manasseh, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Manasseh from the east side to the west, Ephraim, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Ephraim from the east side to the west, Reuben, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Reuben from the east side to the west, Judah, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Judah from the east side to the west shall be the portion which you shall set apart, 25,000 cubits in breadth and in length equal to one of the tribal portions, from the east side to the west, with the sanctuary in the midst of it. The portion that you shall set apart for the Lord shall be 25,000 cubits in length and 20,000 in breadth. These shall be the allotments of the holy portion. The priest shall have an allotment measuring 25,000 cubits on the northern side. 10,000 cubits in breadth on the western side, 10,000 in breadth on the eastern side, and 25,000 in length on the southern side of the sanctuary of the Lord in the midst of it. This shall be for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my charge, did not go astray when the people of Israel went astray as the Levites did, and it shall belong to them as a special portion from the holy portion of the land, the most holy place adjoining the territory of the Levites. And alongside the territory of the priest, the Levites shall have an allotment 25,000 cubits in length and 10,000 in breadth. The whole length shall be 25,000 cubits, and the breadth, 20,000. They shall not sell or exchange any of it. They shall not alienate this choice portion of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. The remainder, 5,000 cubits in breadth and 25,000 in length, shall be for common use for the city, for dwellings, and for open country. And the midst of it shall be the city. And these shall be its measurements, the north side... 4,500 cubits, the south side 4,500, the east side 4,500, and the west side 4,500. And this city city, shall have open land. On the north, 250 cubits, on the south, 250, on the east, 250, and on the west, 250. The remainder of the land alongside the holy portion shall be 10,000 cubits to the east and 10,000 to the west, and it shall be alongside the holy portion. Its produce shall be food for the workers of the city. And the workers of the city from all the tribes of Israel shall till it. The whole portion that ye shall set apart shall be twenty-five thousand cubits square, that is, the holy portion together with the property of the city. What remains on the sides of the holy portion and of the property of the city shall belong to the prince. Extending from the twenty-five thousand cubits to the holy portion to the east border, and westward from the twenty-five thousand cubits to the west border, parallel to the tribal portions, it shall belong to the prince, the holy portion. "'with the sanctuary of the temple shall be in its midst. "'It shall be separate from the property of the Levites "'and the property of the city, "'which are in the midst of that which belongs to the prince. "'The portion of the prince shall lie "'between the territory of Judah "'and the territory of Benjamin.'" "'As for the rest of the tribes, "'from the east side to the west, Benjamin one portion, adjoining the territory of Benjamin "'from the east side to the west, Simeon one portion, adjoining the territory of Simeon "'from the east side to the west, Issachar one portion.'" Adjoining the territory of Issachar from the east side to the west, Zebulun, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Zebulun from the east side to the west, Gad, one portion. And adjoining the territory of Gad to the south, the boundary shall run from Tamar to the waters of Meribah Kadesh, from there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea. This is the land that she shall allot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. And these are their portions, declares the Lord God. These shall be the exits of the city on the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates. The gate of Reuben, the gate of Judah, and the gate of Levi. The gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. On the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates. The gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. On the south side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates. The gate of Simeon, the gate of Issachar, and the gate of Zebulun. On the west side which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Gad, the gate of Asher, and the gate of Naphtali. The circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city. From that time on shall be, the Lord is there.
1: put a nice bow on everything tonight <laughs> for you and say I had all the answers to all the questions you might have um, I, I may not but I'm sure Jay has this all figured out <laughs> Could have gone much longer. Uh, we, Jay and I, both took long passages and summarized the essence of them uh, several times. Um, and so uh, someone carefully observed. And, I, and one of the things I've appreciated so much is how carefully people listened and learned and followed. The messages. So we are we are we are blessed as preachers to have such a wonderful congregation uh, to do that because that's how uh, we um, we know that the the word is going forth and it's being being heard. Um, it's um, there there are questions, and uh, when I when I come to uh, to Ezekiel, I have. I still have have more questions, I think, after going through this than after things that aren't quite um, resolved. But some things have been firmly resolved in my own heart and mind, and I hope for yours as well. Um, Some things that uh, we see historically have been fulfilled. The Jewish people are back in their land that's an unmistakable fact of history in 1948 um, I believe they are being gathered there not to be destroyed and that's a very popular view of of, uh, uh, an interpretation of Bible prophecy that the Jews are going to be gathered in the land once more to be wiped out I don't believe that, the Bible teaches that I think they have suffered mildly and uh, uh, brutally, through the centuries, and I believe, and I think this what Ezekiel teaches about that is that they are being gathered for the land, not for another holocaust, but for their salvation and for the salvation of the nations. And I think, again, this is why it is critical that we support uh, Jewish outreach and Jewish evangelism because the scripture is very plain that that will lead to blessings for the whole world. And I, I know that is taking place on a regular basis. I, I've known too many, there have been too many uh, Jewish background believers through the centuries, beginning with the apostles, uh, that uh, have uh, resulted in a blessing for the whole world. And that continues to happen in acts that many of the Pharisees believed and came to faith and, and uh, we know this, uh, this is still the case that many are coming. I, I, I never will I, I've spoken of this before but I marveled at Stephen Atkinson's assessment that at the beginning of uh, the refounded um, um, state of Israel In 1948 there were there were less than a half a dozen Jewish uh, believers and now if you go to Israel there there are tens of thousands uh, at least 20,000 that we know of so much so that the nation of Israel is concerned (laughs) about the Messianic influence and uh, I praise the Lord for that Um, so that's uh, that's That that's what some of the things that uh, I I have had affirmed, but more deeply than that, and more important to our lives, is that what what is important in terms of uh, what God wants us to learn from His Word, and that is uh, His worship, His His temple, His 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 uh, His. uh, reverence, and what does he hate? He hates idolatry. He hates anything that is put in the place of the worship of the Holy God, and and that is really the the the, um, the uh, climax of this book is is the temple and the reapportionment of the land. So that's the first point. Verses 1 through 20, and then verses 23 through 30, is we see that the portions of the land and how it's divided between the various tribes of Israel, the temple, and the town of Jerusalem. um, This doesn't match the division of the tribes in Numbers chapter 34. This doesn't match the division of the land in Joshua chapter 19. If you compare the divisions of the land, you'll see um, clearly that these are not the same proportions in the same uh, places. And all of the uh, ten tribes that were carried away uh, and uh, said to be the lost tribes of Israel all of a sudden appear in. Ezekiel in this passage. Every single one of them are said to be, they they are are, are prophesied by Ezekiel to be restored uh, to the land. Um, And they're given the same uh, proportion of the land, uh, including Benjamin and Issachar in verses 23 uh, down through 30. Each one was <laughs> given a portion. That's not how they were originally distributed. The half tribes of, of Manasseh um, of, of and Ephraim are given the same portion as the rest of the tribes, which was not the case in the beginning. When the conquest uh, took place, there were there were tribes across the Jordan that stayed, and they wanted their inheritance there. They're not included in this list, in this stylized list of the tribes and this stylized um, picture of the land. As I said this morning, this is uh, the boundaries of Israel are, and in, in this description, as well as the division of the tribes, are at the greatest. Uh, proportion uh, in the Bible be- beyond uh, the extent of the kingdom's expansion under Solomon, uh, beyond even the extent of the kingdom uh, in that, is it, that it was promised in Numbers chapter thirty-four, and, and real beginning to be, began to be realized in the conquest in Joshua. You have, this is, uh, this is the case, and this is what makes the rabbis and the scholar, the biblical scholars, uh, scratch uh, their head. If you were, uh, there are many maps available for this, but basically you have described here the beginning of the division of the land. It says it begins at the north, and it goes all the way to the south. With the with these divisions, uh, they each and it's a it's a precise band that goes across the whole land, beginning at the northern border up, including parts of Syria and Lebanon here, and all the way down below uh, the border of Egypt. And the tribes are each given a specific portion. What does that mean? I think you have to read it in light of the fulfillment of Scripture. You have to read it in terms of the the perfect numbers that are described in the perfect worship of the temple that we read this morning from Revelation chapter 7 you have to read it in terms of the promises that were not only to the people of Israel, but the strangers who were in the land of Israel who were giving the same rights as the people of Israel to enter the temple and worship. And so you have a picture of the tribes. Uh, all of the tribes. All of the, the tribes. There are no omissions, no omissions from Ezekiel's tribes. There are omissions of, uh, of, of uh, Dan, for example, and I believe Ephraim is omitted from Re- the list in Revelation chapter 7. And the scholars uh, speculate as to why. They're not omitted here. Every single tribe is included. It's a prophecy of the fullness of the salvation of all of God's people in um, the town. And then you have the town district of the, of, um, of the worship district of the temple, the temple district. And, and uh, as I said before, it depends on who's measure. It, it depends on the interpretation. The Septuagint translates, um, it just goes ahead and puts the word cubit in for the measurements. If you have a New American Standard Bible, if you have a King James Bible, you can see the cubits is in italics all through here. It's not in here. In fact, whenever you see the word measurement next to cubits, the old scholars all say that's reeds. That means the reed and the reed. A cubit, and I'm assuming this is the royal cubit. You have the regular cubit and the royal cubit, by the way. The regular cubit is 18 inches. The royal uh, cubit is... uh, 20 and a half inches, so it's a little longer. I'm assuming these, again, that's an assumption on my part, so um, so it, it does make a difference. But the difference between a reed and a cubit, a, cubit, a reed is 12 feet, a cubit is between 18 and 20 and a half inches, that's a lot of difference. And if you look at it that way you see why so many bible scholars say this is to be interpreted and applied spiritually there's the common area for the town of Jerusalem and the people of Israel and it's either a seven mile square or a 60 mile square. When you get to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and you see the boundaries of the New Jerusalem in heaven, that is 12,000 stadiums. Now, I, I was not a math major in college. I had barely made it through college algebra, but I did pass. <laughs> but by my math, the New Jerusalem uh, dimensions in Revelation 21, 12,000 stadia by 12,000 stadia by 12,000 stadia in height, is approximately a 1,400 mile cube. That's, hmm. that's a lot of area that's almost the size of the continental United States um, it certainly is widthwise in height- but heightwise as far that's into outer that's into what we call outer space um, the dimensions in Ezekiel expand exponentially along the along the way so I, I I think it's right for us to understand this in terms of, the, of the, the future fulfillment of God filling up not only his land but heaven itself within ever expanding uh, until he until the Lord institutes a new heaven and earth new earth uh, a ever-increasing expansion of, his, of, of those who dwell in eternity in his presence, so much so that the book of Revelation speaks of myriads and myriads in fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that your descendants will be as numerous as the sands on the seashore and as numerous as the stars in the sky. A vast place of fulfillment. So, I believe that's the application, again, continuing from this morning, that there is this ever-expanding propagation of the gospel, and that is why we must be committed, as this portion of the body of Christ, as all the body of Christ, to evangelizing the nations and making disciples of them, I didn't mention this morning, and I meant to mention that how do we do that? How do we make disciples? We're coming up on the missions conference, Matthew 28, 18-20. through, 10, well, uh, 18 through 20, It tells us how we make disciples. We are to go to the nations and make disciples of them by baptizing them and making and teaching them everything that God has commanded us to teach from the Word of God. And there is the water of baptism another symbol of cleansing and of purifying um, again uh, it's, a, it's a, an outward sign of an inward work and we emphasize that don't we in the church baptism we don't think there's anything special about water and baptism by itself in fact we preach against that there's no magical holy water that saves a person the only thing that will save a person is a new heart a new a new relationship with Christ I believe that is the message uh, n- not only of Ezekiel but the whole Bible and and uh, we can get lost in the weeds of these details but nonetheless the details are important and they should give us pause so that's why we've so much of these sermons in well we don't know for sure. the second point i want to make from this text is the prince's portion um, again uh, he's he's going to have a big a big portion of uh of this city what remains on both sides the holy portion of the property of the city verse 21 uh, shall belong to the prince extending from the twenty five thousand cubits of the holy portion to the east border and westward From the 25,000 cubits to the west border, parallel to the tribal portions, right in the center of the tribes is going to be the prince's portion. Again, it's difficult to say exactly that this is the Lord Jesus, but I can say... I can say precisely that it is a type of the Lord Jesus, just as surely as I can tell you that King David is a type of the Lord Jesus. And those terms are used interchangeably through the prophets and its reference in the gospel. Christ means anointed one, it means the king. It means that he is of the house and lineage of David, that he is the fulfillment of all the types of these kings. In this passage, we're told that the center, in the center of all of these parallel land masses that go from the top down to the bottom of Israel, from Dan to Gad in this list, each one having the same amount of parallel land across, you have the district of the prince. Several applications... Uh, It's always the job of those in authority, uh, whether they uh, know it or not, to um, keep law and order in the world for the sake of God's people. That's what the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans uh, 13. Is it, it Romans? It is uh-huh. Romans 13, right? Uh, where he talks about uh, our submission to uh, the ruler, our duty to pray for uh, those in, in authority. Why? Why? Because they are ministers of God for good, to punish, punish evildoers. This is before the time that Nero turns into an evil monster and uh, puts uh, uh, Christians to death, including the Apostle Paul. But uh, in, until that time, uh, he's a minister of God for good. And it points to the duty of those in authority to protect God's people. Christ is the fulfillment of, of that, absolutely. But in the meantime, there is direct application. That was David's, King David's job. He had one job. And that was to go out and fight the enemies of God's people, and well, two jobs, and to and to provide for the needs of His people. And what happened to David when he failed to go out and fight on the front lines in the spring, when kings are supposed to go out to war? He fell into horrible sin. And and uh, and again, it shows us that he is only a type, uh, and he shows us uh, how great a sinner. Uh, can be as, as David was with his his uh, adultery and his lying and his murder, uh, to be forgiven and to be restored. That gives us great hope that it's included in God's plan. It's at the center of the word of God. The second thing and the, and the, the spiritual application I'd like to make is that the King Jesus is in control of His people. He's in control of the whole world. His portion uh, with uh, in providing for the Levites and providing for the ones who make the sacrifices um, is fulfilled, and He absolutely it absolutely <coughs> results in the worship. In service um, uh, our service and our provision in the kingdom of God what will be the result of God's order order in ordering the restoration of the land and the temple worship reestablished spiritually and and, uh, perhaps otherwise I, I don't want to speculate about that I know it's Build spiritually. Um, The others, uh, we we will see. I I, I still laugh. I laugh every time I read an old commentator when they when they speculate about the restoration of the Jews to the land. I mean, it's full. If you read old commentaries, which you should, because the older you you better, you'll see it's just full of these things. (laughs) And uh, so I smile sometimes uh, when, when. there are absolute pronouncements about things one way or another, and I just say, I don't know. But what, I, but what we do know is that Christ fulfills all these things, and he he does so perfectly, and that the result of his fulfilling of all of the word of God will be the propagation of the gospel, and that's what is predicted in Ezekiel, as well as all the prophets, this vast heavenly New Jerusalem, fourteen hundred miles uh, wide, fourteen hundred miles deep, fourteen hundred miles high, in Revelation twenty-one, will be fulfilled with those from every tongue and tribe and nation who want to worship Jesus. It is truly uh, amazing. We think, we think too small about God. We think too little of his providential intervention in what he's doing. Uh, He calls us to trust him and to believe his promises these gates these distances if you accept the larger measurements are huge these are huge gates and huge uh, entries ways into heaven even though uh, the all of the entry into heaven is defined by the narrow way of Jesus who said he is the gate that he is the way That he is the truth and life and no one comes to the Father but through him. That he is filling his heaven with his elect people. That is his ultimate purpose. That is the ultimate purpose of God and and his declaration in our participation in that. His command to the, the disciples and to us and the Great Commission is to go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, baptizing and teaching them everything that he is commanded, and we should not per, uh, forget the last promise, which is the same thing that is in the last verse of Ezekiel. He said, "Behold, I am with you always." He says here in this last person verse of Ezekiel, in this expansive place of God that the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. Jesus promised that he would be with us to the uttermost ends of the earth. Jesus promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. That nothing, nothing In Romans 8, he says, Nothing, I, death, things created, the spiritual forces of darkness, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The times are all the way to the end of Revelation, and at the very end, we're told, there's no temple, because the Lord... And His people are the temple. Uh, that's the fulfillment. And that's and that's what we uh, are filled with joy about as children of God, knowing this great truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, the end of the matter of Ezekiel for us now. Help us to keep studying this book. Help us to not leave it aside. Help us to keep Uh, Working on its challenges of understanding with all the great minds and and godly scholars who have gone before. Help us to dig deeper into it because it is your word. And every every word of it applies uh, to our life. And Father, the things that are plain, uh, make them clear. The things that are unclear, Father, uh, resolve them for us. And, and what we know for certain is that uh, the prince is, is perfect. Uh, unlike the imperfect princes that have been before him, uh, the greater son of David is uh, perfect in every way. And he is our king and Lord, and he has come in the flesh and experienced temptation with never sinning, not for one moment, failing in any part of your, your law is active obedience is what enables us through faith and trust in his finished work of sacrifice in our place, to come to you. Father may we, may we understand that all of these sacrifices, all these provisions for priests and all the Levites' work, and all the princes of, Zad- all the uh, priests of Zadok, Father, their purpose was to provide uh, atonement for sin that, that pointed to Jesus, and that they have all been fulfilled. And Father, that promise that in Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. As regarding um, discipline, of, uh, church discipline, but it means the gathered church uh, doing your work. We have this exceeding, great, precious promise that you are in our midst when we are united in heart and mind for the sake of the glory of Jesus. And uh, thank you, Lord, that we are in the temple when we are in Christ. If there's anyone who is not in Christ tonight, may they understand. The importance of being in a relationship with him, through hmm. faith in him and his finished work alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.